contagious joy. So I'm the, uh, the lucky third person in this, uh, in this series, and I've entitled this, uh, this morning's message, Joy Filled. So thank you for coming along. It's good to see you, uh, and I hope that, you know, what we um, you know, hear this morning is um, meaningful for you, and I'd just like to start with uh, a word of prayer. Lord, I just ask that you um, come in and uh, you use my words, that they're your words, that they reach um, everybody here in a manner that is meaningful for them, that they can be filled with joy, your joy, uh, and we just ask uh, that my, the message is clear uh, and uh, uh, can be heard and uh, received well, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I thought I'd do a little bit of a recap, just for those who maybe weren't here the last few weeks. Um, so back a few weeks ago, we had Cooper Redman, who's now down in college, and there's a few actually down now at college sending off their kids, so we wish them all well. And then for those who are still here who are starting uni or about to start uni, we wish you well as well. Uh, but Cooper talked about affection and uh, the deep affection um, that we get um, from having a love, the love of, um, of Christ and how it you know, inspires us to serve others. So that was, that was week uh, one. And then last week we had Jason Brody and he was talking about patriots and the teamwork and being you know, next to your mate, shoulder to shoulder. And the... Uh, my notes keep flicking back. I might just go there. Um, the joy that that brings of being in a team and being a citizen... Uh, being next to each other, united, united in Christ. So today we're going to be looking at Joyfield, and we're going to be looking at particularly Philippians 3. So if you do want your Bible, I'm going to be putting up some of the verses there. Um, there's about 21 verses, and you're welcome to go and read through uh, at, your, at your leisure. But we are going to be looking at Joyfield, and I wanted to start with the different types of joy, or at least what joy means uh, to me. So our big idea, I always like to start with a big idea, is to be joy-filled with a joy that goes beyond the trials and hardships of life. How we live and, and what we experience, um, this, is, uh, this video clip comes to mind. Just Riley and me. 
forever. So if you have, uh, I don't, I'm going to pause there, I'm going to get sucked in. It's a, I love that movie, um, Inside Out. Uh, talks about all the different emotions that we have. You know, there's sadness, there's, there's guilt, there's anger sometimes. Uh, but predominantly joy. We love joy. Um, the feeling of joy is just an awesome experience um, that we often chase. So when I think of joy, I, I thought of that movie, for, uh, that movie first, if you haven't had the chance to see it. Um, my other thought of joy was the joy of Jesus. And this, uh, I don't know if you've seen this one, this is the gospel according to Matthew. And the actor, Bruce Marciano, he was um, portraying Jesus in this film. And he was a little bit challenged because he felt the weight of having to portray Jesus. And he's like, how am I going to do this? Because in the past, and a lot of media previously, Jesus had been you know, uh, portrayed as very solemn and you know, almost serious. Um, and he's like, I don't know. Like, so many people are going to watch this and be inspired by it. How do I want Jesus? How do I think he is? And the director or the producer challenged him, and he said, how about you read um, Hebrews 1.9? And he did, and it says, Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you. So this is God pouring out the oil of joy on Jesus. Jesus is anointed with joy. He's filled with joy. And so Bruce is like, oh, all right, I take that on. And he's now often known as portraying the smiling Jesus. So much joy, the smiling Something else I think of when I think of joy, as probably most men, uh, is their four-wheel drive or their car. And it could be something else for you as well. All right? But, you know, a four-wheel drive often brings joy because it gives you options for travelling and camping. And, you know, we, that's our 80 series that we used to have. Um, we no longer have it. I actually sold it to uh, my brother and we got a different Land Cruiser. But we did lots of trips, it did a lot of kilometres, it was um, a pretty good uh, workhorse, and it brought uh, Kim and I a lot of joy. Um, but the thing about this sort of joy is that sometimes, uh, you know, this is earthly joy, and it's not always, we don't always have joy. Like we saw in Inside Out, there's other emotions that we experience. And one particular day, uh, we had actually, we were living in Melbourne, but we'd come up to Queensland for a holiday, and we'd done some camping. We'd seen my parents, my family. Um, I'd done a little bit of work on the four-wheel drive uh, because it was just it needed to do it, and Dad's a mechanic, so he's got the equipment, so easy. I'll, uh, I'll tinker with it a little bit. And we're travelling home, and it's a lot. And I started driving, and I'm like, mm, it doesn't quite feel right. I'd done a, you know, uh, a bit of a, a tyre swap, uh, a, a balance, uh, all that sort of thing. And I'm like, mm, maybe the tyres, maybe I just didn't quite balance them right. Maybe they're, you know, just a little bit off. Maybe as we go, they'll wear in a little bit, you know, get rid of that little bit of vibration. I did a check, 
at, I think, a couple of hours in. I couldn't see anything wrong. All right, we keep going. And we swapped drivers, Kim and I, every two hours. So she was driving, and I was having a little bit of a nap. And she wakes him up, and she's like, Dave, something doesn't feel right. And I pull myself out of a half daze, and, man, I was like, no, nah, something feels wrong. We are, like, skating. Like, it was like we were doing Tokyo Drift, it felt like, at 100 kilometers an hour. And I was just about to say we need to pull over when uh, we started to be in a race with our rear left tire. And whoo, it went gone down the highway. And uh, <laughs> Kim was driving and she just holding on. And we scraped. We were doing 100 kilometers an hour. The tire's gone. Bang, we're scraping. And uh, you, I don't know if you can see, but the, the studs on that, gone. I couldn't even put the spare on it. Like, it was, it was toast. So, you know, things happen in life. Experiences happen, and sometimes it's not so joyful. That wasn't, wasn't so joyful. What has brought me joy maybe doesn't always bring me joy. Father back from a deployment left his Oop. daughter in tears after just, pulling um, up a big surprise. Oh, hang on. What am I doing? There we go. <laughs> I forgot I had the next video. So that's some earthly joy that can be sometimes taken away. The third thing I think about when I hear joy, and you've maybe seen some of these videos before, is the returning and the joy that someone returning, who you haven't seen for a while, brings to you. And I have this clip I'd like to show. Hopefully we'll play now. Father back from a deployment left his daughter in tears after pulling off a big surprise at her volleyball game in Algonquin. Father is one of our very old seventh grade volleyball players, Aaron. First Sergeant Jeffrey Bruce. <laughs> Dry eye in the house after detachment. First Sergeant Jeff Bruce pulls off his mask. His daughter, Erin, a seventh grade volleyball player at Algonquin Middle School, had no idea he'd returned home after a 14-month deployment. Even Erin's teammates shed some tears at this heartwarming moment. So happy. The joy of seeing a family member after so long is so powerful. But we're going to kind of start into um, Philippians, and we get like quite interesting because Paul starts and he goes, rejoice in the Lord. That's his first you know, verse. And I didn't put it up there, but if you've got your Bible, you can read it. He talks about, look, I'm so happy all right, to tell you this message, rejoice in the Lord. And then like straight away in next verse, verse two, he goes, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Like that is some pretty heavy words he's using there. Some pretty powerful, you're like, wow. We're talking about joy and like we rejoice and then watch out. And it's like, well, who are, you, who are you talking about here? Like, because I don't know about you, I don't tend to know too many people who are going to go out of their way to wreck your joy. But like, when I think about these type of people, I think of movies. All right? I think of the Joker who's just out to get, to, to wreak havoc. All right? Maybe it's a kid pressing all the buttons in the elevator. I don't know. You know. But the quote there from Alfred is, some men just want to see the world burn. I don't know too many people that, that want that. So who is, who is Paul talking about here in 
Philippians 3.2. Well, we need to know a little bit about Paul. And I'm going to skip past here for a little bit. But Paul himself, uh, he talks about being... Uh, in, we're going to skip four, just so I can give it a bit of context. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. You see, Paul was a born and bred Hebrew, a Jew. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a Pharisee. In terms of all, he was perfect. Okay? So when he knows a little bit about the Pharisees. And we, if we go back to... Um, Verse 2, he's kind of implying it's, it's them. It's the, it's the religious leaders at, of the time who are out there. Because what happened was, over time, they'd taken Moses' law and they'd started tweaking it. They started adding things to it, making it very strict. And it was no longer, you know, joyful to be a God believer. It was all about tradition and it was all about following the rules. And Paul knows this quite well because he himself was a Pharisee. And he says here, if anyone thinks that they you know, can get salvation through being the perfect Christian or the perfect follower by following all these rules, I'm, like, I'm the best. You know, I've done it all. I can trace my lineage back to Benjamin. All right? So that's what he's trying to, he's trying to get across here. I have a video, and I love, I love this series, uh, The Chosen. If you haven't watched The Chosen, I would recommend it. You may, hopefully you have seen it. I've, it's just uh, really gets you in the feels. I love that portrayal of, of how it all works. And I have a, a lot, bit of a longer clip here to show you, but I want to emphasize on where he was talking about for the opponents of joy and what Jesus himself was trying to get across. Because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way. Shalom. Even to the tenth generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. I see. Because they did not meet you with bread and with what? Excuse me. What are you doing? What is your name? Elam. Your friend Elam. Has a withered hand. Are you a healer? It is not lawful to heal on Sabbath. Which one of you who has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it who out? Who are you to speak to our congregation in such a of way? How much more value is this man than a sheep? Stop this at once. Come here. Come stand here. It's okay. Elam, sit down. We don't know this person. He could be a shaman. Is it lawful on Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? This affliction does not threaten his life. It does not even affect his health. Let it up. Stretch it out. 
Looks good, huh? If he was supposed to be healed, God would have done it himself. Interesting point. Get out! Gladly. Blasphemer! What is wrong with you? Apparently everything. Wait! Come back! How dare you! Are they going to send the town guards after us? I think those guys are the town guards. All right, so for those of you who didn't see, first he interrupted the reading simply by standing next to this guy with a paralyzed hand. <laughs> the, the priest. <laughs> what? Reaping or harvesting on Shabbat. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, I've been so hungry, I forgot what day it is. You may. No, get back. Out of the way. You have made a mockery of our little synagogue and of Torah. You will tell us your name, your lineage, your... First you and now your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He entered the house of God in the time of Ahimelech, the priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat but only for the priests. You would compare yourself to David. It was an emergency. Or have you not read in the law how on Shabbat the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath but are guiltless? That's for Levites. Are you a Levite of priestly lineage? Listen carefully. Something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man. Let's go. I just love it, just love it. So Paul here is, he's trying to say like, you know, these Pharisees, they've got things so twisted in their tradition of, and their religious traditions that we're forgetting to love people, we're forgetting to help people, all right? And so he's challenging them and says, watch out for those people who are, you know, they tell you this and that, but really, I just, we just need to be caring for one another. And countless times Jesus does things on the Sabbath to help people, and the Pharisees are like, you know, in terms of John 5, 1 to 15, if you read that story, all right, the key is you've got a man here who hasn't walked for 38 years, Jesus comes along and heals him and says, take up your mat 
and walk. And all the Pharisees can think of is, you've picked up your mat and you're carrying it. You're not allowed to do that on the Sabbath. Like what a missed opportunity. Like what a great thing has just happened. The joy that Jesus has just brought this person and the Pharisees are trying to take it away. And so that's who Paul is talking about here when we talk about verse 3 to 2. That we shouldn't be caught up with our traditions, that we forget to see past people and the joy that we can bring them. Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. All our earthly joys, and you might, like I talked about the four-wheel drive and that brought us joy and how that can, you know, be taken away in a second, all right? You may have some other joys, sport or you know, other hobbies that you may have that bring you joy. But the thing is, all of those things are earthly joys. And the joy that God wants to give us surpasses all of that. Surpasses all that. It's a heavenly joy. I want to tell you uh, one more story. Everybody, everybody loves a wedding. It brings so much joy. So for the next 20 minutes, we're going to look at all 3,000 photos of our, our wedding just to share it. No, I'm just kidding. Just a few. <laughs> but everyone loves a wedding. The joy that it brings of seeing two people come together. And for those who are married, you, I'm sure, remember the joy that that day brought you, and it hopefully still brings you joy, uh, being married to your loved one. Uh, but we also hear about the drama sometimes that you know, weddings can bring and the things that happened prior. And I wouldn't say our wedding was full of drama, all right? but there might have been some things at the very start that uh, could have affected the joy of, that we had. Um, so we got married out at uh, Kim's parents' place, out in Westburn, Victoria, very beautiful. And I know that Kim's spoken about um, Victoria before in one of her sermons. And the thing with Victoria all right, is it gets very dry, and there are bushfires. And so we got married on a Monday, on the previous Saturday, we were having a bit of a family get-together, uh, and there was bushfires. <laughs> Pretty close, uh, not directly where we were, but we had family members struggling to get to where we were for our lunch uh, because of the bushfires. So, you know, that caused a little bit of a, a drama uh, to begin with. And then, uh, you know, that was all right. On Saturday afternoon, I think it started to rain, which was good for the fires, but it, a storm rolled in. And uh, the marquee got a bit blown around and actually got ripped. All right? So like, we're, you know, we're getting married Monday and Saturday evening, or I think it was maybe even Sunday, our marquee is now ripped. Luckily, uh, Stan, Kim's dad, is a, a tent maker by trade. I think actually make that, he actually made that uh, marquee. So he worked feverishly, I think Saturday night and Sunday, repairing it. The morning of the wedding, we had these nice roses down the aisle. And uh, the neighbor's sheep decided, hey, at a yard and munched them all. <laughs> so that wasn't too good. And uh, so we had uh, Kim's uncle the morning of, all right, trying to find replacement roses. Lucky it was a Monday and there was some stuff open. So he's planting. And then, like, to top it all off, like, we live on a dirt road. Okay, they're farmers on a dirt road. And Monday morning, you know, Luckily, the wedding was probably, you know, about just after lunch, 
right? But the greater, the greater, so to smooth out the nice dirt road, rocks up. And he starts grading the whole road. And it's probably a couple of kilometers. And we're like, oh, how are people going to even get it? It's the only road in and out. And we've, uh, it's, you know, this machine's on there ripping it up and smoothing it out. So all this drama and, you know, all this is happening. And I'm like working feverishly, you know, we're mulching and doing the last minute things in the morning. Um, but the thing about all of these things was that it didn't really matter. It didn't really matter to me because I knew that in a few hours uh, I was going to get to marry Kim. That was great. So much joy. So much joy. And it overflows. It's, you're filled. And because you're filled with joy and you're overflowing, all right, it affects other people. And they're filled with joy. And you can see it. It's visible. You know, it's just outpouring. Joy is such a great feeling. And Jesus wants that for us. He wants that for us. You know? And the thing with Jesus was that, you know, even though he was anointed with the joy, and even though he was filled with joy, he also had some experiences. And, you know, I have an experience. Even though Jesus experienced tremendous grief and suffering, he was crucified, he was killed, all right? All of that, all right, for the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the cross. He was able to endure it. He was able to get through because he knew that what he was doing was for the greater good. It was going to bring joy to so many more people. It was going to fill them with joy if he could get through it. And so he did, knowing that. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The heavenly joy that Christ wants for us, he is filled with and he wants to give it to us. And yes, we experience earthly joy. Right? But sometimes the wheels fall off, the roses get munched, the road gets graded. Things happen in life that maybe disrupts that joy. But the heavenly joy, the one that we look forward to, is knowing that we are in Christ. Our faith is in Christ. It's not our works. It's not what we do every Saturday or church. It's not helping out. It's not, that's not going to get us our salvation Right? It might bring us some joy, but our true joy that's going to fill us up is found in Jesus, found in knowing him and the promise of his return. Right? How good is that feeling going to be when he returns? Right? Like the daughter who saw her father after 14 months, there was tears of joy welling up and it affected the others around her. How much more joy do we have knowing that Christ is coming back to save us, to take him, take us with him. So much joy. To round it up, Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like, you know, things happened on that wedding day, all right, that could have interrupted uh, my joy, my, my happiness, it didn't matter because I knew that what was coming was so much better. All right? It same applies. Our joy, to be fully, truly joy-filled, we need to have our faith in Jesus. And the promise that he is coming back, because he is, and he's saved us, he's endured the cross, 
and he's coming back to get us. And we can be and we can endure anything that life throws at us knowing that promise that Jesus is coming back. And that's what I would love to leave you with you this morning. Be joy-filled knowing that Christ is coming and he loves us. Let's just have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the promise that you are returning. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you want joy for us. We thank you that we have earthly joys and we know that it doesn't always happen and you know things come across in life, but the promise that you love us and that you are coming back fills us with joy and we cannot wait. We cannot wait for your return. There will be tears, but they will be tears of joy and they will be overflowing. And we just ask that we share that news with others around us so that they can experience that joy as well, that overflowing joy that you want us to have. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.